Hallelujah. Are you ready for the word today? Let's pray. Father, thank you for the word of God. Thank you for, for your holy word today. You said, Lord Jesus, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word. Oh, that proceeds from the mouth of God. Your words are precious to us, Lord. And we open our hearts. We say, as Jeremiah said, your words were found and I did eat them. And now your word to me is the joy and rejoicing of my heart. For I'm called by your name, O Lord. So we thank you for your word. We, we feed on it today. We receive it today. And we thank you that your word is the joy and rejoicing of our hearts. So, so, Lord, if we're lacking in joy, then we thank you that we can find it in your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. 2 Corinthians 11 and verse 3. I'll read it out of the New King James and then the message. Paul is writing to the Corinthians. The Holy Spirit is inspiring so, him to do so. So this is God speaking to us. But I fear, lest somehow, as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. And then in the message, verse 2 and 3 in the message, the thing that has me so upset is that I care about you so much. This is the passion of God burning inside me. I promised your hand in marriage to Christ, presented you as a pure virgin to her husband. And now, I'm afraid that exactly as the snake seduced Eve with his smooth patter, you are being lured away from the simple purity of your love for Christ. So Paul is issuing, again through the Holy Spirit, <coughs> a word of warning, a concern that he has for the believers in Corinth. And, and it's a word of warning that's applicable to us today that I, that I want us to hear and to make sure that we heed his concern for them is that they're being corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Put the, put the uh, New King James back up there, Kim, for a second. So he said that your minds, he said, I'm concerned, I fear, so that your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. And in the message again, it says that you're being lured away from the simple purity of your love for Christ. And uh, I, I thought about this scripture. In fact, I used this scripture in a message last year. Uh, but it's a powerful scripture. And it says a lot to us. It says a lot to me. Uh, and, and I think I, uh, I've started considering this and these, these things that are presented in this scripture. Uh, again, uh, based on a, a couple of things uh, that have been going on recently. Uh, first of all, uh, seeing the movie Jesus Revolution, I, I've, I've seen it, I saw it twice. I saw it last Sunday night and then my neighbor uh, John and I went again on Tuesday and saw it and, uh, and I highly recommend it. I want to encourage you to go see the movie Jesus Revolution. And then the, uh, and then the other thing is the reports of the Asbury Revival. And so I'm going to explain what I'm, what I'm talking about here and give you a, 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 a help you to help you to, to start thinking the way I'm thinking, hope, hopefully, or seeing it the way I'm seeing it here. So if you haven't seen Jesus' Revolution, you don't know what, what it's about, it's really, it's a, it's a docudrama. It's really, really very accurate, a very accurate portrayal about the spiritual awakening that came to America in the late 1960s and, and early 1970s. And I, I would say it, it, it was a it was a segment or a part of the larger 
charismatic revival or renewal uh, that, that, that came to America or came to the world, really. And uh, so this, this Jesus revolution, it had its, it had its beginnings uh, and its roots in Southern California uh, when the hippies of that era started getting saved. So, uh, and you'll, if you go see the movie, you'll see the story unfold. So they're welcomed, um, and this is all true documented stuff. It's not just a, it's not just a story. It's, it's true. It really happened. So um, they were welcomed into a, a small church called Calvary Chapel, uh, pastored by a guy named Chuck Smith. And uh, just a handful of them came, and some of the church members didn't want the hippies in there. And, uh, but Chuck decided, uh, after he didn't know if he wanted them at first either, he decided to welcome them in. And then they began, began to come in droves um, into his church. They started coming by the hundreds. And uh, they had to move out of their church building and put up a tent. And I think the tent would hold several hundred. And they would, had to do like two or three services every Sunday. And they had meetings throughout the week. They began holding baptisms in the Pacific Ocean Thousands of these uh, uh, hippies that were getting saved came and they were baptized in the Pacific Ocean and it caught the attention of the news media to where um, Time Magazine sent a reporter down to do a, a story on it and, he, and, and it was the cover, their cover story in an issue that came out in early 1971, the Jesus Revolution. And um, so one of the most moving scenes in this movie to me is when... Um, uh, Pastor Chuck has decided he's going to welcome the hippies into his church. And, and uh, he gets up after the uh, uh, praise and worship. He gets up to, and, they, and, and they actually, that's really where the, the birth of contemporary uh, Christian music and praise and worship actually started there. There was a, some of the hippies that had gotten saved, had formed a band. And that band was called Love Song. And I actually had one of their albums uh, at one point. But uh, they had, they had uh, played in the church there. And Chuck got up to uh, teach them the Word of God. And he stands up and he says, this is, and he holds up his Bible. He says, this is God's Word. Let's open it together. And all the hippies hold up their Bibles. Beautiful scene. We couldn't hardly replicate that today, could we? You know, if, who has their Bible? <laughs> Few of you brought your Bible with you. This is God's Word. Let's open it together. Isn't that beautiful? I mean, can you imagine? I mean, the, 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 all the hippies had their Bibles and, uh, and raised their Bibles up. And so their doctrine, the doctrine that they were following was biblically sound, genuine repentance from sin, simple obedience to Jesus and His Word, and an expectation of the coming of the Lord. That's what they were... That's what they were talking about. That's what they were all about. They were turning from their sin, turning from their, their drugs and, and the sex and all that, all that they were involved in. They were turning away from that totally. They were genuinely repenting, genuinely being cleansed by the blood of Jesus and, and radically following Him and, uh, and looking for His return. In fact, I had, as I'll explain to you, my connection here, but I actually had a couple of books that Chuck Smith wrote uh, in the, I, I don't know when he wrote them, but I, I guess in the mid-70s, but I, I found them and got them in the late 70s. One was called Snatched Away. Where will you be when suddenly millions are snatched away? And it's all about the rapture. I hadn't heard much about the rapture growing up in the 
church that I grew up in. And then another book, a little book I had by Chuck was called End Times. So, so he was big on teaching them, hey, Jesus is coming back. We need to be ready. We need to live ready. And we need to be getting other people ready. Praise God. So that's what this was, uh, was all about. And, uh, and so it spread. It spread across the nation, not by man's organizing, but by the Holy Spirit. Now, I was just a boy, just uh, eight, nine years old when this started, late 60s. And, um, and so uh, uh, it touched me, though. This same movement touched my life. And so that's why it's, uh, that's why it's dear to me to, to see this and to uh, see, see it being you know, brought back, the memory of it being brought back. Uh, because in 1979, I was invited. I was a senior in high school. And toward the end of my senior year, and I've told you some of this story before. You've heard, some of you have heard this. But uh, I was invited uh, to this Bible study prayer meeting um, by one of my good friends in, in high school. And uh, basically he said, he did, he employed the come and see method. Like I was talking about last week in my message. He said, he said I went to this Bible study uh, last Tuesday, it was fantastic, and he and uh, he said, "Come and see," yeah. and so I did, and uh, so I so I went into the uh, went with him. Uh, uh, I, I don't know if I rode with him or if I w- went drove separately. I guess I was driving at the time, so I may have driven separately. But uh, anyway, uh, I I, uh, I you know I'd been raised in church. Uh, I had gone to Sunday school, gone to church uh, all my life. I had. Uh, received Jesus as my Savior as a, as a boy. I was about, about nine years old when I received the Lord. But I never had never experienced anything like I did in this Bible study that I went to. And uh, we met in this uh, living room. There was a widow lady named Peggy Lummis here in, in coming. In fact, it's kind of, kind of a, <clears throat> I think it's more than a coincidence, but she lived off uh, in one of the little subdivisions off Mary Alice Park Road. And the first actual church building that we had for our church, you could throw a rock from the parking lot to Peggy's house. So the place where I got filled with the Holy Spirit was just a stone's throw from the first building that I pastored in. So I think that's quite an amazing coincidence, or maybe more than a coincidence. But anyway, uh, there was a guy named John Hall that was leading the Bible study. John was a member of First Baptist he was an adult, and, and uh, I guess in his 30s at the time, old guy, you know, because I, I was 17. And uh, so this old guy uh, was leading the, leading the Bible study. He was a member of First Baptist, but he'd recently got radically saved and filled with the Holy Spirit, and he was on fire for God. And so I don't know what motivated him to start it, but he started this, and it was just a handful of us. Uh, and and we, would, um, we would sit around, you know, sit on the floor in the living room, and uh, I got in there, and, and they started singing songs. They would open their Bible up to one of the Psalms, and they'd just start singing without any, uh, you know, without any accompaniment. We had no instruments. We had no, I guess uh, we could have had guitar if anybody knew how to play, but nobody, I guess, knew how to play. No instruments. We just started singing a cappella, word for word, right out of the Psalms. But it was put to a melody that we could sing. And then we sang another one. And another one, I thought, wow, this is, this is pretty cool. And then, and then we you know, prayed for each other. They would pray for it. And then uh, some scripture was shared. And, uh, and so, you know, that was, that was the uh, beginning of, of, of God really getting a hold of my life. And then there was talk about the Holy Spirit, which I was very interested in. I thought, wait a minute, what? I've not, not heard about the Holy Spirit. And so, but then there was another thing. 
There was a genuine love and an acceptance there among those kids. And again, at the beginning, just a handful, but a genuine love and acceptance that I had not experienced among my peers or friends at school in any way. And so this was, that was, that's what drew me back, was that genuine love. And so I continued going, and after, after a few weeks, we met once a week on Tuesday nights, and so after a few weeks, uh, they said, David, would you like to get into the chair? And uh, of course, I knew they meant the prayer chair, and so that's where they would pray for. If you needed prayer, you go get in the, in the um, I think we probably just sat on the floor on, on a rug in the living room, but if you needed prayer, then you could go sit in the chair. And, uh, and so they said, David, would you like to... Would you like to sit in the chair? And we want, to, we want to pray for you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So I did. So I got in the chair. And uh, praise God, I was filled with the Holy Spirit. And uh, one other thing that, was in, that stood out to me is in stark contrast is, is these, these people that I started hanging out with. And I don't know, did y'all think I was in a cult at the time? I mean, we never have discussed this. <laughs> My brother Mike and his, <laughs> but they, after about 20 years, they, they came on in and they got in the cult too with me, so all is well now. So. <laughs> but um, one thing that really, that really stood in stark contrast to me that is these kids uh, were really serious about living for Jesus. Most, again, most of my friends and acquaintances that I went to school with, went to high school with, they all part went to church, and, uh, but a good percentage of them were involved in all kinds of immoral things, you know, sexual immorality, drinking, some dabbling in, in drugs and, and things like that. And uh, thank God, through, through the good influence of my big brother, uh, I never got involved in that very much, but, so I was saved from that. But neither was, neither was I living a life where people could see Jesus in me, even though uh, I claimed to be a Christian. But all that changed when I got in the chair and got filled with the Holy Spirit. And I started hanging around those kids that were really serious about living for Jesus. So, um, and that, that, that all changed from, uh, for me from that, from that time until today. I, that was, I, I still look back at that as a, as a turning point in my life. And, um, and, and all of this from the from the simple meetings that we had, again, you know, we'd just gather, we'd, we'd open our Bibles. We probably had, had 30, I know at one point in the, in the Bible I carried at the time, I had, I decided to make a list of all the, so I could remember them, of all the songs. And all I had to do was write the scripture reference. Psalm 30, you know, Psalm 63, Psalm 48. I probably had 30 or more, a list of 30 or more songs that we sang right out of the Bible. Those scripture songs. And, um, and so this simple, this simple worship, no, no instruments, no accompaniment, but just our hearts singing the word of God back to the Lord. Amen. Praise God. Uh, the emphasis on the Holy Spirit and then following Jesus wholeheartedly, looking for him to come back. All of that was experience. I didn't know it at the time, but all of it was part of that wave of the Jesus revolution that had finally washed across to our little Forsyth County here. Amen. And I'm sure others had, had, had uh, experienced it before me, but it was still in force and, in, and, and, and working and active at that time. And um, so had a, this movement uh, had a profound uh, effect on my life, and it was marked, all of it was marked by simplicity. And uh, that's what that's what's, uh, 
I began to think about it as I saw the movie again. And, and, and then the same with, the, with Asbury, with what's going on um, there uh, with the, the revival at Asbury. Uh, again, it's been, it's been marked by the simplicity of the worship. They, you know, uh, no, no words on the screen. There's nothing wrong with that. Don't, don't misunderstand me. You know, we, we do that and we can still worship God from our hearts. But, but uh, as I'm going to talk about more, sometimes all our, all our trappings can become a distraction. And uh, but, so that Asbury revival really, and especially the church world in America, we've, allowed, we've built in so many trappings in recent years that I believe it has become a distraction. So, so what God did at Asbury, moving among the people there, was drawing them back to a simplicity, simplicity of worship. They would have, you know, different worship teams rotate up, but they would just sing the simplest songs, and they would not have any, you know, any, any big uh, preset format. They, they, I saw a picture of, of the kind of a, just a general outline of what they, were, what they wanted to make sure they did that night, and it was written, you know, on a paper bag or something, on a, you know, or on a napkin. And uh, let's make sure we worship, do this, you know. And, and, but just very basic, very simple. And all the songs, all the worship were songs that people knew. They didn't need the words. It was all, all songs that, 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 that uh, were some of the great classic worship songs, some of the great classic hymns where people could just really connect with God, not have to worry about following every word on the screen, but just open their hearts and, and truly worship. Praise God. So that's what that revival has been marked by. Genuine repentance, genuine humility, and then the atmosphere marked by peace and love, people coming in and just sitting. And they said, well, I just wanted, to, when I came in there, there was such a presence of God. And he said, all the anxiety just, just drained out of me. There was such peace. There was such love. I felt God's love so strongly. Praise God. And so that's what that's been marked by. And both of these, the Jesus revolution and what happened there, and then Asbury, both these things stand in stark contrast, as I said, to the direction that a lot of the church world has gone in the last several years of, of big productions. And again, I'm not totally preaching against that. I think there can be a place for that. God is not opposed to big choirs. God is not opposed to, you know, having good production. But if our focus gets to be on that, and it can be, Instead of on the Lord, then, then, then what's happened is we've been, we've been corrupted from the simplicity that's in Christ. We've, we've, been, we've been moved away from the, as the message says, lured away from the simple purity of our love for Christ. And that's what came out to me so strong in seeing that movie, the simple purity of those hippies getting saved and, and following Jesus and their love for Christ and uh, same again, same with Asbury. So I believe God wants us to get back to that. Amen. 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 Praise God. Uh, and, and uh, you know, again, all this stuff with, the, you know, the uh, big production with lights and video. And we use that and it can be a blessing and a help. And, and we do that. Uh, and uh, having to have Starbucks coffee and having to have giveaways and all to get people, you know, well, nobody offered me Starbucks coffee to come to that. Of course, I don't drink coffee anyway, so if, if they would have said a Dr. Pepper or a Mountain Dew, that might have been uh, enticing to me. But, uh, 
Uh, but, but nobody offered me any of that for that Bible study. I went one time and I thought, I'm loved here. This is, there's life here. There's something real here. There's something genuine here. Praise God. That's what people are looking for. You know, the church, we got our, a lot of church leaders got their mind off on the wrong thing, thinking, okay, we've got to appeal to the world. They can get all that in the world. The wor- and, and the church, to be honest with you, the church can't compete with the stuff of the world. And the sooner we, we learn that, the better we are. But, but we've got something that the world doesn't offer. We've got something that the world doesn't have. That's the peace that passes all understanding. That's the love of God that can fill your heart and, and, and cause you to know that you are loved. You have a Savior who loves you that, you can't, that the world can't replicate or produce. Praise God. So we need to focus on that. That's, the, that's the, some of the simplicity that's in Christ that we need to focus on. But I thought we had to do all those things. I, would, I was told we would go to pastor's conferences and things and, and they would say, you need to do all of this stuff. You need to have this production and all of this and this and this. And I spent a lot of, too much uh, of the time uh, trying to implement that and focus on that. And to be honest with you, all it produced in me was frustration. And it took me a long time to learn that, that I needed just to relax and love the people that God sent to me and feed them the Word of God and help guide them into a simple and genuine relationship with Jesus. So, uh, so if, I've, if I've failed to do that in the past because I was too focused on some of those other things, then forgive me. Uh, but that's what I intend to do in this. I don't know if this is the last phase of my ministry or not. I've still, still like, I plan on, on going a long, a long time yet. Uh, it, take, it just takes you some time to learn things, unfortunately. Amen. And unlearn some things. But uh, so let's look at the let's look at the word today, and uh, all that was introduction. But I hope it's I hope it's built a foundation now for what I want to say uh, to you this morning. Second Corinthians eleven three. Let's look at it again. But I fear lest somehow, as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. So again, the event that's being referenced here as a, as a backdrop for them, for, to, for Paul to issue this warning not to be corrupted from the simplicity that's in Christ is going back to the Garden of Eden when the serpent, Satan, deceived Eve. So let's go back and look at that in Genesis 3. In Genesis 3 and verse 4, it says, Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. One translation says, deciding for yourselves good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her and he ate. So the temptation that Satan used against Eve and against Adam was, you need more knowledge. You need more knowledge. If you'll just eat of this fruit, then you'll have that knowledge and you'll be like God. You'll know good and evil. You won't have to... This tree will is one to make you wise. It's desirable to make you wise. And so he's saying, in other words, you don't need to simply follow God. 
and let him show you and teach you what, you, what he wants to teach you. You don't know enough now, but if you'll eat of this fruit, then you'll know it for yourself. You, don't need, you won't have to wait around for God to show you and to tell you. You just eat this and you can get it all for yourself without having to depend on God. That's basically what the devil, what Satan, the serpent, was saying to Eve that day. And uh, unfortunately, they fell for it, didn't they? They fell for that. You need more knowledge. Now, I'm, I'm not, again, I'm not, I don't want to confuse anybody. I'm not preaching against knowledge because I just did a message a couple of weeks ago about knowledge, about how important, you know, grace and peace are multiplied us, to us through the knowledge of God and, uh, and, and, and through these precious promises and all of that and knowledge of the Word of God. But it's different, a different kind of knowledge than he's talking about here. It's revelation knowledge, as we'll, as we'll see. Uh, so, uh, but this is contrary to what Satan tempted her with, of course, was a lie. And, of course, it's contrary to what the Bible says. So, look at 1 Corinthians 8, verse 1. This is in the New Living. Now, regarding your question about food that has been offered to idols, there was a big debate. Can we eat it? Shouldn't we eat Should we not eat it? Can we eat it? Yes, we know that we all have knowledge about the issue. But while knowledge makes us feel important, it is love that strengthens the church. So was knowledge, the kind of knowledge the devil was talking about there too, was that, was that what, they were, what they needed? Is that the thing that's important? No, Paul says, no, knowledge will make you feel important. And it does, you know, if you've got knowledge about something. And in some cases, a, a knowledge about something, a natural knowledge can almost produce an arrogance. In fact, that's what, really what that scripture is saying there. Well, I know more than they do. Well, I know all there is to know about this. So uh, knowledge can make you feel important, but it's love that strengthens the church. And, and again, Paul is saying, just like Satan tempted Eve, I don't want you to be corrupted from the simplicity that's in Christ. And so it's not about gaining, just gaining more knowledge naturally. Now, again, we're, we're not opposed to that. I'm not opposed to people going to school and getting an education. Just go the right one and get the right education. Amen. That's all good and that's all right. But I hope I'm, I hope I'm making sense here. Maybe as we keep going, it'll be, it'll be clearer here. So New International says knowledge puffs up while love builds up. I like that. Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. Amen. You want to be puffed up or do you want to build up? Well, we ought, to be, we ought to be wanting to build up, amen, one another. And then verse 2 in the New Living, anyone who claims to know all the answers doesn't really know very much. Well, that's plain, isn't it? No comment necessary on that. All right, let's go to Luke chapter 10. Jesus talked about this issue as well in Luke 10, 21. In that hour, Jesus rejoiced in the Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you've hidden these things from the wise and prudent and reveal them to babes. Even so, Father, for it seemed good in your sight. Jesus is directly talking about the Pharisees and the scribes and the religious leaders of the day who were highly educated in things. They were knowledgeable but they didn't have revelation from God. And Jesus is saying, Father, I thank you. You've hidden these things from the so-called wise and prudent, and you've revealed them to these simple babes. You know, these simple people. He wasn't talking about 
just literally physically babies, but he's talking about people that were innocent, people that were uneducated. They were getting, they were getting revelation of who Jesus was and they were following him. The religious leaders were standing back saying, well, we don't think we like him. He's challenging our power. Amen. All right. So revelation of God's truth, God's heart and God's plan doesn't come from education. Again, we're not opposed to education. It can be a blessing if you use it right. Amen. But revelation about God, knowing God, it comes, and we've talked about this in the last messages here, it comes from a heart being open to God. It comes from the Holy Spirit. Look at this verse. Luke 7, verse 29. Again, the New Living. When they heard this, when they heard what Jesus was teaching and preaching, when they heard this, all the people, even the tax collectors, agreed that God's way was right, for they had been baptized by John. In other words, they recognized the, the, what Jesus was teaching and preaching as the truth of God, and it was God's way, and, and, and it was truth. They recognized it for the truth that it was. Why did they recognize it? Because they were the same people that had been baptized by John. <coughs> now, what kind of baptism was John conducting? Well, the Bible says a baptism of repentance. The people came to John confessing their sins, right? They repented. They said, we need some help here. We don't know it all. We don't have it figured out. We repent. And so they repented of their sin. And because their heart was toward God, now they could understand what God was doing. And they could receive the truth that Jesus was preaching. Praise God. Verse 30, by contrast... But the Pharisees and experts in religious law rejected God's plan for them. For they had refused John's baptism. They missed it. The Pharisees, the experts in religious law, they could quote it backwards and forwards. A lot of these people that were coming to Jesus and following him willingly and eagerly, they couldn't even read it. They were illiterate. But they came with open hearts and they came with repentant hearts and therefore revelation could come to them. Amen. Praise God. First Corinthians, Paul writes about this to the Corinthians, first Corinthians 1 26. <coughs> For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. Now, let me say this. Everybody needs Jesus. Whether you're poor and uneducated or you're wealthy and highly educated or somewhere in between. There's a lot of people that are highly educated, but they're burdened down with student loan debt now, right? You see, you're calling, brother, not many wise, so, but everybody needs Jesus. Whether you're poor and uneducated or whether you're wealthy and educated or whatever, we all need Jesus. Because there are things that you'll deal with in life. There are needs that you have in your heart that no amount of wealth, no amount of education can meet and can solve. But Jesus, the Word of God, and the Spirit of God, that's the, that's the, and the love of God, that's the answer for all of us. Amen? 
But not many of you wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty and the base things of the world and the things which are despised. God has chosen and the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are. That no flesh should glory in his presence. Well, I've, I've amassed a great amount of wealth. Well, I'm educated. No, that no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Jesus is our wisdom. Jesus is our righteousness. Jesus is our sanctification. And Jesus is our redemption. Hallelujah. And as I said, most of the followers of Jesus in when he, during his earthly ministry and then continuing after his death and resurrection and when the church started, most of them, uh, the followers of Jesus, we'd, we would probably have to say most of them were illiterate. But did that prevent them from having a genuine and dynamic and personal relationship with Jesus? Did it prevent them from being a witness to the world around them? Hardly. Not at all. They would have the words of Scripture read to them. That's why Paul would write to Timothy and he said, devote yourself to reading the Scripture. Take this letter and read it, you know, to the church. He he would put instruct in, in in one of the letters, I think the uh, uh, Colossians, I think he said, read this word, read this letter here and then send it over there, read it over there. Well, they would gather together and someone would have to read it to them because a lot of, most of the people were illiterate. But they would hear that scripture being read and they would remember it and they would take it to heart and they would start to believe it and act on it and they would worship God in their simplicity and they would go out and live out their faith in the pagan world around them and change the world. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Let's look at this. In Acts chapter 4, we've just had the healing of the lame man. You know, Peter and John minister to the lame man at the gate, beautiful, and he's healed. And and Peter's having to, they get get arrested and and brought before the, again, the the Jewish religious leaders. And verse 8, It says, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders of Israel, If we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he's been made well, let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before you whole. This is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which became the chief cornerstone. They know he's quoting the Old Testament there. They're familiar with it, and he's quoting it to them. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there's no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Look at verse 13 now. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, They marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. They were uneducated. Peter was a a fisherman. 
Uh, John was a fisherman. You know, they were not educated. They were not in the, in the Pharisee school. They were not educated like the scribes were. They were, they were uh, uneducated. They were untrained. But they, and they marvel, how can, how can they have this boldness? How can they be speaking this way? How can they be, you know, uh, have, speaking with such boldness and confidence? And they realized they'd been with Jesus. I'm, again, I'm not preaching against schooling and training and things. I went, to, I went to school myself. I went to Rhema Bible Training Center, but I have something to say about that as well. Brother Hagin used to talk about why he was led by the Lord and explained to us why he was led by the Lord to start Rhema. And forgive me, I can't remember the percentage. It's either 80% or 90%. But he said this. He said, one time he said, I heard a prominent leader in the church, in Christianity, in America, say it was either 80% or 90% uh, of what is taught in our seminaries and Bible colleges is unusable. 80 or 90%, again, I can't remember if it was something high, there was either 80 or 90. And Brother Hagin said, he used to say, he said, so I thought to myself, somebody ought to focus on the 10% or for 20%, whichever it was, that you can use. And that's why he started Raymond. And that's what they did. I, you know, I pray that they're still, that's still their focus. That they're focusing on the 10 or 20% that's usable. Amen. And I thank God for the, for the training I got there. Amen. And, uh, and received there. But, it, but they noticed about these men. Let's put that last verse back up there. That they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. There's nothing more important than being with Jesus. You may have not had an opportunity to get an education, secular or in the Bible, but that doesn't stop you from being able to be with Jesus and walk with Jesus and know Jesus and have a powerful relationship with Him and a powerful witness to the world around you. That's the simplicity of Christ that we're talking about. Praise God. Clint, come on back up if you would. In 1 John, in 1 John 2, verse 20, John says this, writing to the believers, he says, but you, but you have an anointing from the Holy One and you know all things. Hallelujah. Even the illiterate, uneducated believer follower of Jesus, John writes to them, this is to every believer, you have an anointing from the Holy One and you know all things. Verse 26, he says this, these things I've written to you concerning those who try to deceive you. But the anointing which you've received from Him abides in you. And you do not need that anyone teach you but as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things, that you have an anointing. If you're born again, you have an anointing. That's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes upon us to empower us, but the Holy Spirit is also within us as our teacher. Jesus talked about that in the Gospel of John as well. And here in, in his letter to the, to the believers, John is expounding on that. He says, this anointing 
which you've received from him abides in you, and you do not need that anyone teach you. Now, don't, don't misinterpret that and say, fine, I'm out of here. I'll not be back to church. I don't need that anymore. Well, we know that that couldn't mean literally just that because he said in the church, God has said into the church, teachers. Amen. But my job in, in teaching, when I teach you the Word of God, what's happening really is is that the Holy Spirit on the inside of you, He's already leading you and guiding you into these things. And so what I'm saying, if I'm preaching the truth, if I'm preaching the Word and teaching the Word of God, it's resonating. Because the teacher inside you, the Holy Spirit, is saying, yep, that's what I've been trying to tell you. Amen. (laughs) Hallelujah. You do not need that anyone teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things, and it's true, and it's not a lie, And just as it has taught you, you will abide in Him. Praise God. Charles Capps used to say this. Charles Capps is a great Bible teacher. And uh, he was uh, just a simple farmer in Arkansas. From England, Arkansas, he was a farmer. And he got a hold of the message of faith through Brother Hagin's ministry and through Brother Copeland and others. And he began to act on it, implement it, and, and and, and understand it in a profound way. And God called him to begin to teach it. And he did that for many, many years. He's gone to be with the Lord now. But he used to say this. uh, He said, you have to have help to misunderstand the Bible. (laughs) And oh, unfortunately, in the church world, we've had a lot of help. Listen, what he's talking about is the simplicity. God means what he says, and God says what he means. I believe more damage has been done than anything else to people's faith and and to the cause of Christ by people with so-called knowledge explaining away the power of God and explaining away the simple truth of the Word of God and the Gospel. Oh, well, we know it says that, but it couldn't mean that because blah, 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 blah. And just rob, drain people of faith. Well, they've got a degree, so they probably know what they're talking about. Well, they might not. They may have a degree, but you have an anointing. Yes. I'd rather have the anointing than the, than the degree. Not opposed to degrees. If you want a degree, get one. It might open some doors for you. There was once a preacher named Tweedle who refused to accept his degree. It's bad enough being called Tweedle, he said, without being called Tweedle, D.D., Doctor of Divinity, got his degree. I don't know if that's true or not, but I thought it fit pretty good right there. Hallelujah. Don't be lured away from the simple purity of your love for Christ. That's what I'm saying. We could probably have sent you home after reading those first two verses, but I hope this, is, I hope this has helped us, us to see it clear. Amen. I believe it. Praise God. Yeah, amen. Amen. Thank you. I'll pay you I'll pay you later the sum we agreed upon. <laughs> amen. Uh, and don't let Satan corrupt your mind from the simplicity that's in Christ. Don't be lured away from the simple purity of your love for Jesus. Amen. I, I look back on those days when we'd sit around and sing those songs right out of the Bible. And yeah, well, there was, you know, 
we had to work through some conflict and there was a lot of confusion and there was the devil tried to get in with false doctrine and get and divide and get people away from the truth. Thank God, God guided me through, led me through and preserved me. But there was also some wonderful, wonderful times and wonderful days of just pure, simple worship and following Jesus. Amen. That we should never grow past. We should never outgrow that. We should never grow past that, that. So three things I want to leave you with. I don't know if you've been able to, those of you that like to take notes, I don't know if you've been able to take any notes today. But here's one. Number one, simple faith and trust in God. Simple faith and trust in God. Amen. We make, we make sometimes we make, and, and, and you know, uh, faith, well, thank God for the revelation, the teaching of faith and the principles of faith. I, I'm, I'm, next Sunday, I may give you the nine steps to, you know, <laughs> to get your prayers answered. I don't know what God will lead me to. So there's, there's a place for that. But, but to boil it down, faith in God is simple. It's not complex. It's not complicated. It's simple. And if it's too complex for you to understand, it's probably not what God wants you to pursue anyway. Amen. Most of the people, you think about it, most of the people that, that were healed, that received miracles in the Bible, they were common, uneducated people, weren't they? The woman with the issue of blood had not read Brother Hagin's mini book, How to Write Your Own Ticket with God. She's the subject of it. Because he uses her, her, her story from Mark chapter 5 in writing that book. The Lord, and that's a message that the, I'm not casting dispersions on that at all. The Lord gave him that message. He was in a, was, was in a, had a vision and the Lord, he said, I've been, I've been sensing there's a, there's a message that you want me to preach from Mark chapter five, but I can't quite get it. And, uh, I'll get, just be ready. We'll do that. But, uh, he said, uh, I can't quite get it. And he said, Lord Jesus, would you give it to me? And uh, he said, yeah, write the, he said, get pencil and paper and write these things. He's in a vision with his eyes closed. People bring him paper and pencil and he writes down these four steps. Write your own ticket with God about this woman with the issue of blood. Hear it, believe it, receive it, and tell it. Well, she didn't know that. She hadn't read that book, but she just instinctively, the Bible says when she heard about Jesus, she said, you know, if I touch his clothes, I'll be made well. And she came and touched his clothes and she was here. Simple faith and trust in God. Amen. She simply believed and acted on the word of God. Praise God. And then the second thing is simple worship. Simple worship. God wants to hear your voice and your heart worshiping him. Praise God. He wants to hear your voice and your heart worship. That's what was so special. You couldn't not sing. And that little group of us, that handful of us with no instruments, we all had to sing. But it's not like we had to. We wanted to. It wasn't. It, in other words, there was no performance in it whatsoever. It's not like, okay, we're going to come to church and we're going to listen to the worship team. There was no, we, we was the worship team. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. I like that, the, the song by Matt Redman, The Heart of Worship. When the music fades and all is stripped away, 
and I simply come, longing just to bring something that's of worth that'll bless your heart. I'll bring you more than a song, for a song in itself is not what you've required. You're searching, you're looking much deeper, <laughs> get the words quite right here, within, than the, than the way things appear. You're looking into my heart. And he says, I'm coming back to the heart of worship because it's all about you, Lord. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it because it's all about you. He's talking about the simplicity of our worship. Praise God. And then the third thing, so simple faith and trust in God, number one. Number two, simple worship. And then number three, simple obedience to the Word of God and the Holy Spirit. When Jesus called His disciples, He said two words to them. Follow me. And he's still saying, follow me. That, that really boils it down. That really makes it simple, doesn't it? Follow Jesus. Follow what he said in his word. Follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. Don't complicate it. Follow Jesus. Jesus said this when he was asked by the Pharisees, well, which is the, we're having a debate, Lord, which is the, great, the greatest of the commandments? Well, why are we debating about them? Why don't we just do them? The point is not to debate them. The, the, the point is not to intellectually analyze them. The point is to receive them, believe them, and do them. Amen. He said, I'll give you, he said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And then the second thing is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. You can sum it all up in that. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Hallelujah. Praise God. Let's, let's maintain our simple devotion, our simple purity of our love for Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. Bow your heads with me.